welcome to Fake Happy Brad. I'm Church and Other Drugs. I'm so happy. This is great, honestly. Are you having fun? It's an honor to be here. I'm so pleased. Are what? what well, good. Well, that's just good yes. to hear. <laughs> yes, I'm so pleased. How is everyone tonight? How's it going, man? It's going great. Who's that you brought with you over there behind you? Don't don't, <laughs> don't do that, dude. If you if you want to hear the scariest thing ever, go listen to our newest. Uh, go join Patreon, patreon.com slash church and other drugs and listen to the newest episode where brad did next level troll me with some like psychological frightening shit and i am now scared of the window next to me not I'm cool twisted. uh you want you want to hear the funny funniest like drug quote and i think it's extremely esoteric to borrow one from our friend michael boyle but i thought it was hilarious uh i'd love to hear it chad all right quit being <laughs> fake just be regular fat brad <laughs> I just I'm very excited to be here, Chad, and I'd love to hear the esoteric drug quote. Let's hear it. Uh Brent Brent was like, So out of all my years of doing drugs, the biggest truth I've come to realize is you need to spend about two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> two fifty. Yeah. Oh, you're a you are an asshole. Look, where I come from, two fifty will buy you a pint of lean. And by by lean, of course, I mean uh, plastic pint of Seagram's gin. Dude, I'm talking two, about two hundred and fifty. Oh, sorry, Jed. I've gone way further down the rung than you. <laughs> I'm, I became a wino, and I was homeless. <laughs> what is wrong with you dude don't make me restart this because i will with this failed andy kaufman's shtick you got going on i'm just happy to be here jed i've you look you resemble you look like you're wearing a fucking mcdonald's uniform you've got a headset a red button-up shirt of an undersized hat. You're rubbing your belly button. I made you stop eating a bag of pepperonis. You made a crude joke. I told you to stop, and then you said, oh, okay, so you want me to be fake happy? I can do that. And then here we are. Are you are you pleased with yourself? I'm happy. To be, I'm just I'm honored to be here, Jed. And I welcome to church and other drugs. We're I'm way past that. I'm your host, Brad Collins. <laughs> Shit, it's, I'm happy to have you on the show. John, hurry it. Please come back. John. He's actually on the interview. He, we just couldn't get together for the intro. I love you, John. I love you, baby. Please come, <sighs> please come back to me, John. So uh, I did have a pretty good... I forget that uh, every now and then we get some kids at work that have like some actually really evolved senses of humor. And uh, I did uh, two truths and a lie with them, where you write down two truths and one lie, and everybody goes around and you have to guess the lie or whatever. And his, he's like the most deadpan kid ever. And he's like, uh, I was born in Ohio. I have a brother and two sisters. And I understood the ending of Inception. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like well, That's fantastic. You're a. <laughs> I'm killing this. I'm killing. I'm, look, 
I was thinking of a two truths, one lie. Let me see if I can guess it. Go ahead. All right. My name's Brad. I have a sister. And I murdered two people in 1986. You do not have a sister. No, your name is Bradford. That's right. Actually, those are all lies. This is, I, I can't. Play. Let me try it one more time. <laughs> okay. I'm not all gonna right. hit pause or rewind it, so you just you'll you'll fail as I have failed. But go ahead, round two. There's uh, some pepperonis to my left right now. <laughs> They're really tempting you. I have glasses. Okay. And I can't tell a lie, Jed. I don't. I can't it's... think of a good lie. I can't. It's. Oh I, my god. Hold, 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 on, hold on. Let me get. I got one. I got one. Uh, I, I failed. Yeah, that was horrible, dude. Will you? Can what? you make amends to the audience, please? The congregation. I was now? wrong. I was wrong, guys. Now, what can I do to make it right? Give Give me your phone number so they can. Let's Let's give everyone <laughs> your phone number. Two two five four zero five nine one six five. I'm sorry. I, I want somebody to text him, please. I need your feedback because I'm not on Facebook and I can't. You know, I can't see those delicious likes when you click like or love. I can't see that. So can you just text me like or love? Or you could even text me a thumbs down. 225-405-9165. Give me a thumbs down, baby. I, I want to be included. <laughs> well, let's get to the interview with my good buddy, Toby. It's a good one. Toby. John, long, long time no speak. I know, dude. I know. It's mostly because I don't like you. Yeah, I get that impression. <laughs> yucka, yucka, yucka. Luckily, I've got a revolving door of, of uh, disposable hosts. It's true. They won't like me calling them disposable, which I probably just lost all of them now. Well, it's good because uh, you can't get rid of me, kind of like herpes. So it's it works. It's true. <laughs> Boy, I've been trying to. <laughs> it's been what fifteen years running. Can't yeah. get rid of me. No, it's it's been twenty eight years. <laughs> uh, so we're here with Toby. Toby. Hey, what's up, man? Tobias. Well, well, how's it going, dude? Pretty good. How are you? We're good, good. man. We're doing well. Good deal. Yeah, I just got the. Uh, I just got out of school like a week and a half ago. Just taking some business classes, so now I'm just kind of taking my time to get some things done. 
around my property and helping a buddy start a restaurant out in St. Martinville. So, oh, oh cool. Nice. Yeah, just enjoying my time off right now. What right you, so. What you want to do with the business degree? Uh, well, I mean, last year I graduated in the culinary uh, program in Lafayette, mm-hmm. and so uh, one of my chefs told me you know, a few years ago he was like, "Man, if you can go to school." You know, get all this done and take the business classes if you can. You know, the paper looks good and, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with learning the books. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm putting off going back to school like I need to, but I'm real lazy is what I'm finding out. Very lazy. School's dumb. School is dumb. That's what I'm saying, man. It's it's a lot of work and... I'd be... So, like... And it depends. Well, let me say this. I think it depends on what you want to do. So, like, if you want to be an attorney, right, or you want to be a doctor, like, doctor, you need to go to school to be a doctor, obviously. Yeah, true. But so I'm in. I'm Tell in marketing. That. I'm in. Uh, I'm in business. Doctor Feel Good. Doctor Pepper. I haven't seen any of their. Doctor Love. Doctor Love. Yep. Um, but I, I rock and roll with people with like MBAs. And I have an associate's degree. You know what I mean? It's just oh, yeah, dumb. That's true. Yeah, that's what it's I'm saying. Just real dumb. Like, I think I'm just gonna buy a degree off the dark web. I I wonder if you can like I can be or an ordained degree giver, like an ordained minister, because I know you can that do that dope. online. You know what that I'm saying? And I can just like give people prince hoods and degrees at the same time. <laughs> prince hoods. Uh, so. <laughs> Toby, man, you've got one of the more interesting uh, backgrounds. Um, so you're, you know, I'll paint the picture. You're, uh, you're a big old dude. You're, you, you've got muscles. You're tall. Uh, you're a military man. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually With a, stri- a striking a jawline. Striking jawline that I'm so <laughs> jealous of. And I'm so cool ass, so it it's goes well with it. Uh, you know, and speaking is, of what that, does like, that mean? you know what a is? You know what a coon ass is? Explain a coon ass. Well, down here, you know, South Louisiana, we got a lot of Acadians, the, the Cajuns. But uh-huh. I call, I say what a coon ass is, it's like the white trash version of a Yeah, of it's a, a, it's, uh, a, it's, it's a, a South Carolinian hillbilly is a, is a Louisiana coon ass. Yeah. That's like a swamp redneck. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotty. Yeah, Thank you. So, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I needed some translation. <sighs> yeah, man. So, uh, let's see. It was 2003 I signed up to the Louisiana National Guard, the Army National Guard. And, like, back then I was doing a lot of drugs. And uh, I wasn't drinking too much back then, but uh, it was my senior year. I got kicked out of high school. And uh, a few months later, me and three of my buddies signed up to the National Guard. And, uh, you know, we just did it to be able to go to college. You know, it's like I didn't have any other plans after that. And so I didn't really know what I was going to do. You know, I was like 18 years old. So we enlisted in uh, March 03. I think we went to basic training uh, like September or October later that year. And, dude, we got out from Mardi Gras in February in 2004. And within like a month and a half, we got alerted to go to Iraq. And we were oh, like, man, right. the national. Yeah, we we're like, we're the national guard. Like, y'all aren't supposed to send us. We're supposed to be here for like hurricanes and shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And yeah. sure enough, dude, in May, it was Mother's Day. We left Lafayette and uh, headed to Fort Hood in Texas. 
And how old were you then? Uh, I was nine. No, I was eighteen. I turned nineteen on May thirty first. So you yeah. were a fucking kid, like kid. right after. Yeah, exactly. And the crazy thing is, like, whenever we got back, all of our friends were like, "Holy shit, y'all like y'all are like men now." And we yeah. we came back like almost twenty one, mm-hmm. and uh, it was interesting to hear people say that. You know. So what? Of, were you uh, were you a combat? What was your thing? Uh, I was military police. And, oh. Uh, <laughs> the irony yeah, so, there yeah. is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, dude, it's hilarious. Like, I always had this idea, like, oh, man, you know, because back then I used to go to Houston a lot and buy a bunch of lore tabs and drive them back over here to Lafayette. And so I was like, well, if I want to be able to get over on the police, maybe I could learn from the police. You know what I'm saying? Like, figure out some fucking tricks. That's, that's actually... That's not dumb. The logic is sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. It was crazy. And, uh, I mean, I learned a lot of stuff from my dad, too, because my dad... He's been doing drugs his whole life, and uh, he always taught me a lot of stuff when I was younger about getting away with, you know, <laughs> doing drugs and like hiding shit and stuff, and stuff you know? Uh, so, uh, yeah. So what so, was it What was it like over there to be – so did you stop doing drugs? I'm assuming you stopped at least for, like, basic and – Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, we, we, we stayed clean throughout basic. That was, like, four months, and uh, we did that up in – uh, where were we at? Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Fort Lost in the Woods. And, uh, Fort dude, it was- Lost in the Woods. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was a, uh, I don't know, dude. We were there for four months. We had the same drill sergeants the whole time. I mean, that was kind of a good thing. But, uh, yeah, as soon as we got back, you know, the party was on. We started partying again, you know, just, I wasn't really drinking too much back then. We were doing a lot of coke and ecstasy and lower tabs and bars and stuff like that, Zambars, you know? What about what about when you got you went to Iraq? You said, yeah. So, parted up until May till we went to uh, till we went to Iraq or Fort Hood to train. And uh, in Iraq, we didn't really do too many drugs. Like all the most we did out there was like smoked hash. And oh, the, the, one of the craziest things was I met up with this little this little Iraqi boy. He's like fourteen years old, and they would always come try to sell us stuff, like sell us alcohol or uh, porn or whatever. The little dude would be like, Mr. Mr., you want freaky freaky? And he would do like, <laughs> So he would try to sell us these porn DVDs that were, most of them were blank. You know? Like, <laughs> oh, that's so, good. Uh, so anyway, I got a hookup from him on uh, some boxes of 100 volume at a time. And they were all in the little right. packs. Yeah. So I get like 100 for 20 bucks. And uh, What? Oh, yeah, dude, it was crazy. We, I ended up buying, like, 1,100 of them out there. God. And, you know, like, this is 2018, so that was 14 years ago, and it's like, sometimes I'm not proud of it, but it's like, fuck it, you know? We weren't killing people. Like, we weren't doing shit out of spite or anything like that. And, you know, the volume just helped us chill out on our days off. Yeah. You know? So. Well, and- like, I still, I haven't talked to many people, uh in depth about like what it was like over there like i don't know give me just a snapshot i mean like is it like i don't even know where to like what question to ask specifically about it but just paint a picture all right so on our way up there like we we flew into kuwait and then we had to take a a convoy up all the way up to baghdad i don't think that took us like two days i don't know i don't know how many miles it was 
But uh, it was a long fucking trip. And it's like the whole time you're just on edge, you know? You, you always got to watch around. You watch the cars around. You're looking for IEDs on the side of the road. And, uh, I mean, dude, we were blessed because we didn't get bombed on the way up there. Uh, like, they had some Marines that got blown up at a, like at a bridge, like an overpass, uh, right, right before we got there, you know? So we get there and there's smoking Humvees and shit. I don't know how many people oh, died. You know? And, uh, dude, we're fucking 19 years old. Dumb as shit. You know, full of cum. And just fucking just <laughs> didn't give a shit. Just did whatever we were told. So, uh, it's it's weird how, like, in a... Maybe nowadays, maybe at this age, with responsibilities and shit, maybe I'd be more fearful. But, like, back then, just kind of like, you're too dumb to, to even know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> but, yeah, so, like, while we were over there, we did uh, convoy security for, like, supply convoys that needed to go to different bases around Baghdad and uh it's crazy dude i really think like god was with us the whole time like i had this little uh pendant on my chest that i always wore and y'all know like mary mother mary right Mm -hmm. and so you remember how she used to make these visions to people like i don't know what 100 200 years ago like uh, our lady of lords our lady of garabandal and fatima and all that well yeah from garabandal they had some paper that they got the mother married to kiss it or something like that. And they, supposedly they put it in his pendant. My girlfriend at the time, her mom gave me that. And I always had it on my chest. We'd always pray before we go on convoys. And dude, I'm telling you, as we're staged to go out the wire with our vehicles, you know, and we'd usually go with like five or six vehicles. Uh, there would either be an explosion like right before we left the, uh, the gate. I'm telling you, like five minutes before. And then we fucking passed that place on the way. And just see, you know, hole in the ground, blown up vehicles, whatever. Oh, and God. yeah, or it'd be like right after. As soon as we pass through an area, you'd hear a bomb go off. So I feel like, you know, God was with us the whole time. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people didn't believe that back then. It was just like, oh, it's love. But, yeah. no, so what I... kind of effect live it? So how long, were you, how long was your deployment? We were there for almost a year. Uh, I think we got there October 1st. And then, dude, I, no, yeah, 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 I remember. We got to Baghdad on, like, Halloween night. And so we stayed there until September 22nd of uh, 2005, I think. And, like, that was right after Katrina happened in New Orleans. Yeah. So, like, those last two weeks in September, we were just, two or three weeks in September, we were just getting hammered every night, didn't have shit else to do. All of our gear was packed and we were ready to go. But, like, we were watching CNN watching everything that was going down in New Orleans with the flood and mm. uh, and it's everybody's bitching like where's the Louisiana National Guard oh well, the fucking governor sent her <laughs> sent all of them to Iraq you know so yeah I don't, I don't know I can't say that it's the governor's fault but you know that's what everybody was saying so so what effect like what what effect did that have on you living in that like hyper stress pressure cooker environment for almost a year all right so i don't know it just it became normal while we were over there you know what i'm saying okay. just living in that fear at all times but it's like it just became normal and so we were always you know vigilant and just prepared in case something happened uh like one of the worst things that happened like while we we're on post like we were in uh, camp victory camp liberty like everybody knows about that place mm-hmm. and the little area we were staying in was called Tigerland. And uh, it was like in May 2005. They had, some, I remember some mortars coming in. 
And you know, we had Iraqis working on base at the at the PX, and they they sell rugs mm-hmm. and stuff like that, whatever. And uh, some of them like they would you know do their own uh, I don't know what you call it. They check their distance on the maps and shit like that, and figure out where to tell the guys with the mortars, you know, to point the tubes to blow uh... the rockets at us. And so um, they shot them in and hit the PX, and it's like, dude, as soon as you hear it, it's like this whistling sound, and all you can do is freeze and like you know just like mm-hmm. pray that shit doesn't hit you. And like, oh, yeah, dude, and it's like that happened a few days in a row. And like one time it hit a gym, uh, maybe like a quarter mile from us and like killed some people that were working out in the gym. And then that first time, like we did, we were barbecuing. It was our time off uh, for the day and it hit the PX and killed a few people over there. I mean, not far from us, dude. It was crazy. Right. What? So that seems but it was it was normal. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's just kind of like. It's so you acclimate. So you acclimate. The new normal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like I mean, that's just how it was. And so, uh, all I remember, like I mean, dude, being over there, like we'd go work with uh, Iraqi police. We'd go train Iraqi police at the different police stations, and then some of those police stations would they'd have a lot of corruption, and you know, some of the cops were working against us. And uh, saw a few dead bodies over there. Like a 16-year-old boy had been stabbed to death, and they just threw his body in the back of the. Uh, a police truck. It was like a little uh, Nissan four-door truck, you know? Oh just throw his dead body back there, you know? A 16-year-old guy, and it just stabbed to death, and his just fucking eyes are wide open just staring out at you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, shit. So, yeah, I don't know, dude. Uh, we just managed. Like, we were always there, you know? We just supported each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so you get back, and when so what i mean would you say the using increased <laughs> oh yeah big time well, wait let's go back real quick because over there when i, I figured out i was a, a blackout drunk I, I mean years later i figured it out but that's where i've had my first instances because those uh like those last couple of weeks before we came back uh while we we're waiting for katrina and all that shit we were drinking a lot of alcohol one of my roommates was getting a bunch of alcohol out there and selling it to soldiers and uh, he made a bunch of money out there off of that. It was funny. But I was drinking vodka one night. And uh, I don't know, man. I guess vodka always makes me black out. Because, I mean, it happened in the civilian world, too. And uh, I fell off the trailer that night, like a two or three foot drop down to the gravel. <laughs> don't even remember it. Uh, my buddies brought me back in my room. And I'm, like, puking all over the floor. And I'm, like, brain dead. You know, I'm, I've, I seem like I'm brain dead. And I'm, like, swishing my feet, splashing my feet in the throw up on the floor. Ugh pissed on myself my buddies had to change me and just laughing their ass off the whole time like it was fucked up so yeah whenever we came back um all we did was go out downtown like i I wasn't i didn't really go out to the bars downtown until then and i mean there were so many of us that came back together there was nothing else to do i mean it's just party drink every night and do whatever drugs came your way pills coke meth like whatever it didn't matter y'all got some money in your pocket and Mm. Yeah, I think I came back with like thirty grand or something. No, yeah, nice, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. It was you a still, lit. It's still in your savings account, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, after you turned that into a nice four hundred one k, didn't you? Dude? <laughs> yeah, like a negative account. Yeah. Oh man, Jeez. I think it took me like I don't know a year and a half to go through most of that money. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's a yeah. fun year. Right, oh yeah, dude. it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, as soon as we got back, I mean, we were partying a lot, and then uh, 
see, before I went, like I said, I was selling a lot, a lot of lower tabs and things like that. And uh, that was before uh, they ended doctor shopping. You know, like yeah, oh, yeah, that was the heyday back then. Yeah, dude. yeah we're, see, we're right next to Texas, and that was the the lick. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. I mean, dude, you could go to Houston and buy, you know, 10, 15,000 lower tabs in a day, like, no problem. Yeah. Because- to, to the listener, the, the, I, the I-10 corridor, which Lafayette's right on, everyone from Baton Rouge and Lafayette would take I-10 to Houston, and they just have, it was just straight up doctor shopping, and you could, you know, you would get a group of people together, pay them, and then you literally just, it's just a line of people, pay the doctor $200, get your prescription, da-da-da-da, on your way, just a fucking... Yep. pill factory yeah most of the time it was a shopping center with the doctor's office and the pharmacy next door and so yeah. you just go down there and most of the time the pharmacists and the doctors were connected yeah you know so you'd get roxy's or back then oxy's somas lore tabs and bars usually yeah yeah definitely and drink you know some yeah. codeine with uh from <laughs> drink. yeah because <laughs> that was the thing drink, back please. then man. and he's yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, that's that Houston shit. And for us, like, uh, you know, we would always go in the hood and try to pick up some mixtapes, <laughs> like some CDs, like screw tape. <laughs> it was so funny. Dude. Some little that's white boys awesome. in the hood. So, yeah, man, it was funny. Uh, good times. But, yeah, I uh, and I started selling. I mean, can I talk about, like, selling the pills and everything like that? Yeah. Absolutely not. What do you think this is, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yes. on this podcast yeah, yeah so <laughs> yeah so yes yeah, so, as soon as i got back we were partying every night and uh i wasn't really i didn't know anything about detox then and so a few months later you know i'm eating a couple of lower tabs a day and uh then i started waking up in the morning just like feeling like shit you know like no energy feeling like crap i never experienced that before and, you know, older people are telling me, like, man, you might want to chill out because, you know, you're starting to get addicted to that. And, uh, you know, just being young, full of shit, like thinking I know everything, I didn't listen. And uh, just progressively got worse. Uh, I started going to UL. And, uh, no, I was going to SLCC at that time. And, you know, that was simple. And then we moved on to uh, UL. And, uh, I don't know, some for some reason I just got – Pulled into working at the bars downtown, like bouncing at different places, and uh, on bar backing, and just like working till two or three at night. And I don't know. I think something about being wanting to be part of a crowd or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, or not wanting to miss out on something. And yeah. so, yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. That whole time though, I was selling a bunch of Lord tabs, and uh, got to the point where. Like I was, I was going to Houston and getting like three or four thousand pills every Friday, I mean, you know, selling them for the rest of the week, going back and getting rid of, getting rid of them while I was in school, and uh, it got to the point where I got busted in New Orleans in uh, 2007. It was like May 2007, and uh, the the day I got out of jail, what did like, you get busted I, with? Oh, I'm sorry, um, 3,500 lower tabs. Oh my lord! So just, yeah. just a personal, just you know, not much. It's just for yeah, me. yeah. Just, I yeah, have my, a prescription. My, my yeah, I have a prescription. Thirty-five hundred. Good lord. Oh, Xanax, but they didn't. They threw away the Xanax. Look, because ah, they're like, we got enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually can't so, fit any more in my pouch here. So yeah, I, they ran out of room on the paper. That's yeah, right, dude. man. 
And like, I, and that was a setup. Like, you know, a few weeks later, I figured it out because like, I had this pill stashed under the dashboard and everything. And I mean, they stayed searching that car. It was supposed to be just a, a simple traffic stop. And they searched that car for so long. Like they knew. So yeah, man, as soon as I got out, like I got, I had, I, for some reason, no, I always kept like a little SIM card, like in my key pocket, like in case I, you know, on a trip like that. And so that way, if I did go to jail, I would be able to have my numbers when I got out. So yeah. as soon as I got out of jail, I got a cab to the Best Buy and got a cell phone and called my friends. And I was like, hey, I'm taking a bus back to Lafayette. Y'all get ready for a party. You know, came back. Yeah. And it's like, for that, I was just, I felt like I was just addicted to making the money and putting on this show, putting on this face, you know, like, look at me, you know, I can do all these mm-hmm. things, I'm popular and all this shit. That's what it was. I was always seeking attention or seeking approval from people, I think. And uh, I wanted to be wanted by people, you know, mm-hmm. I never felt good enough. So, you know, I'd give you, uh, I'd give you something that would make you feel good and you'd always need my friendship. So yeah. um, before that, you know, I was eating maybe, you know, five, six pills a week or something like that. And, dude, as soon as I got home, like, it was down to, like, popping 10 Lord tabs at a time, mm-hmm. you know, within a few weeks. And it's just, like, that's all I wanted to do is just party to drown out my fucking misery, you know? And uh, so, I mean, yeah, any drug that would come by, I mean, you know, we would do coke, like, a few times a week. Uh, I mean, drinking was always there. Like, I would go to the bars, and as soon as I'd get there, like, I'd go straight to the bar and get some vodka and water and a splash of seven up and like suck that thing down as fast as possible and like now after working steps in in a 12-step program like i see what it was it's like i just was never comfortable with who i yeah. was you know yeah. or even around the people that i was near so yeah it was always i was always just trying to change myself change who i was so, so how, did, <clears throat> how did you end up landing in prison uh which which time? Like, well, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, so well, I guess so, so a little background. So, I know, I know, I met Toby through my first sponsor, um, John, uh, who we did the the loss episode on. If you remember, yeah. John, um, mm-hmm. and they were in the prison rehab program together. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it prison. It was Lafayette Parish well, yeah, Jail, LPCC. Uh, LPCC Community College. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, that's where I met John. So, yeah, that was towards the end. Like, that's whenever I got sober. Because right before that, like, I was a neo junkie for two years. Oh yeah, well, and, don't, let, don't let me skip things for you then. No, we can go back. Trust me. But yeah, so that time, I mean, yeah, just being a junkie got me put in jail because like the first time i got arrested for that i got caught with a needle uh by the strip and uh they just gave me one of those tickets you know and like like we're not gonna put you in jail tonight blah blah, blah. it's like a misdemeanor so i got probation for that never did anything for it never you know went take a drug test called my probation officer and then i got arrested two more times with needles and pills and so they sentenced me to a year uh no i had to back up like five months right uh you know, in jail for the probation. And then I went to court in jail and they, and they gave me another consecutive year. So I was sentenced to just 17 Ooh. months. Yeah. yeah. But like, I needed it, dude. Cause like the day I went to jail, like I was say I'm lucky. Like I didn't have to detox in jail. Cause one of my buddies gave me a morphine 100 to bang on the way to court, you know? And then this dude, he was an older cat. And I mean, he's been, he's he been knew, in jail. He, he knew, knew the game, knew what was coming. Well, 
would really you, help. When did you when did you finally make what made you finally make the uh, switch to needles? That's a pretty big jump from lore tabs to. You, you want to well, go back? Not really. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. So we just skipped four years or so. So like, oh seven when I got busted in May, like then shit hit the fan. Like I was just working at the bars and just barely getting by and just. I don't know, man, just popping lower tabs all the time and, like, just breaking down and relying on that. So then uh, OCs came in the mix, OCAs, and so we were snorting those all the time. Like, I ended up getting an oil field job, making good money, and uh, and then I ended up getting a prescription for lower tabs from a doctor. So I was like, okay, I, you know, if I get a drug test, I can pass. No big deal. So it's like I had my, my, my good pass, whatever you call that shit, the go card. So then uh shit just kept getting worse because then i was detoxing all the time like i couldn't do anything without mm. OCEs or pills or opiates and so uh i came back in from offshore uh, in the gulf one summer like i ended up being out there all like all summer and i was just tired of it i was getting burned out you know i wanted to be on land that was my thing like i couldn't stand being away from home too long even though i did iraq i guess that was different but um came in and started blowing all my money on 80s and uh, and then one night I was just snorting so many pills and my nose was stopped up and I was I had a, I had like four Roxies chopped up in a big ass line and I couldn't snort it and I was so pissed you know you know that feeling yeah, it's like, I've been there <laughs> I can't get my I can't get my buzz like yeah and so I just I downed it that night you know I gut bombed it and got super loaded and like falling asleep at the wheel and stuff so the next day like. I ended up, I forgot what happened. I don't know where I got these needles from, but I ended up getting some like steroid needles. And back then, oh, I was still God. Cat. Yeah, like some 22 gauge, 23 gauge. Like, it, was, it was stupid. So, we call um, those hole punchers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And like back then, I was still working out at Reds and everything. You know, like I was still in shape. I had some fat uh, veins on my arms, dude. So I was like one of those junkies. I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm proud of my arms. Like, I could do a lot of dope. No yeah. problem. Never miss shots. You know, I'd always laugh at my little skinny punk friends. Yeah, we hate, we, we hate you, by the way. It's okay. As, as a whole, the skinny junkie kind would like to let you know that you suck, you vascular sons of bitches. Cocaine is what did my veins in, dude. That, that That's a wrap. Yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, I did that a lot, too, towards the end. Uh, so, yeah, I started off with that. And, dude, I mean, I, I did it in an Albertson's parking lot in Lafayette. Uh, this one night and I remember doing it like I was shaking because I was like I knew as soon as this shit hits me like my life is gonna change like I knew it I told myself that mm-hmm. like as soon as I shoot this shit everything's gonna change yeah. and it's and then um, then after that like dude I remembered stories of my dad telling me when I was a teenager like man uh, you know don't ever don't ever shoot cocaine don't ever shoot the lauded like it's fucking amazing <laughs> and then, oh my god dude. you know what I mean it's like a my dad was more like one of those, like, he just wanted to be your buddy. And I love him to death. God bless him. Yeah. And uh, he was just like, he wanted to be your buddy. Like, uh, you know, he'd always be, he'd always tell me when I was a kid, like, don't do drugs. They're going to grab you by the nuts and never let go. And you're going to be fucked mm. up with me. I was like, all right, cool. Dude, I, used to be so yeah. against, I used to be so against drugs until, like, 10th grade, until I wanted to fit in, you know? Yeah, like, I wanted to hang out with the cool yep. kids. That's me. Yeah, so... Uh, <clears throat> Dude, after that, like, I still, I remember those stories of my dad saying, like, banging different things, and, like, then I started shooting coke, and I started getting, I got a good supply of lauded, and that was, like, kissing God, you know, mm-hmm. and then it got to the point where I was shooting crack, like, having mm-hmm. to break crack down with nigger or lime juice. And that's like kissing Satan. 
God, that was terrible. I still, I can still remember like the odor coming up, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, tasting that one, it. That one sticks with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I, there I tried, was, I, I, tried, I made the mistake of trying to do it with balsamic vinegar one time. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Just imagine yeah. shooting up and it, it was vinaigrette, like balsamic vinaigrette. Yes. I was like, close oh, enough. God. This will work. <laughs> well, fucking shooting Italian salad and trying no oil. <laughs> <laughs> snorting croutons. But anyway. Yeah. Dude, I even had a, a little I don't know, experience with shooting bath salts for a couple weekends. Oh, like, God. Yeah. That was sickening, dude. Like, coming to, like, 36 hours later and, like, in my room, like, whoa, where am I? You know, not remembering what just what happened. Yeah. That shit's scary. Yeah. And, uh, so did so, you yeah. believe in God this whole time? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Okay. So it was what, was, what was your internal struggle, if any, which I'm sure there was, but, like, what, you know? Um, <clears throat> I think it was, I like to get high. I like the way that it made me feel. It made me feel like a different person. It felt like it made me, like, I felt like I was like a, how do they say that? A legend in my own mind or something like that. Like, yeah, the shit whenever I was high. And so like always detoxing every day, waking up like a crying little bitch, uh, from the painkillers. That's what kept me in the cycle. And so like, dude, mm-hmm. I scammed family like all my grandparents and anybody that would loan me money i scammed them all out of money and uh like one set of grandparents they gave me fifty six thousand dollars over uh i think like a four or five year period mm-hmm. and it's like and i know because like yeah, he keeps receipts my grandpa was a businessman he keeps receipts and like he sent me a whole packet of it and then the other wow. ones is like 20 grand. and uh and so like this whole time like i just always came up with lies so i can get pills and it's and whenever I get the extra money, you know, I could get my opiate fix and feel normal. Then I had this extra cash to go do some speed or something like that. And then the whole cycle would start over again the next day. So it was just hard for me to get out of it. Dude. I got so skinny and broken down and weak. I had no self-esteem, like no confidence. I was just you know, a weak little boy. So, you know, the whole time I did believe in God. Like I still, I prayed, you know, like I grew up in the Catholic church. And, um, you know, I was taught all that stuff, like. I was, you know, I used to be an altar boy. I used to be a commentator at church. Like, I was all about it, you know, memorizing all the prayers and stuff like that. And uh, talking to God like normal, you know what I'm saying? Like, just like he's a friend. And uh, and I'd always, you know, go ahead. What's a church commentator? Is he, is he like, in the, in, the, in the left, we have Jesus <laughs> Christ coming up to bat. <laughs> like, Jesus is a hype man or something. Jesus. Yeah, no, we just say like the announcements at the beginning of the mass and then like oh, okay. something in the so And then it's crazy because in high school when I was still doing it, I had just started smoking weed. So like I'd stay up all night Saturday night getting loaded with my friends. And then the next morning I'd be coughing and trying to clear my throat <laughs> at the pulpit. Like while I'm reading the shit. <laughs> Smelling like shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It's stupid. So, so, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know, dude. I, I never thought that God could uh, remove that from me. Like we, like we learned in AA. Like, you know, just, you know, surrendering and God can remove these character defects if you ask him to, if you're willing and all this. And so the whole time I'm getting loaded, I'm like, I didn't know that yet. You know, I thought I had to make these right decisions. I thought I was, you know, I could will. You know, I never could. So that's why I'm grateful. Look, because John, uh, whenever I met John in, uh, we were in work release in the Lafayette jail. And it was like the rehab 
And uh, so we got to wear regular clothes and everything. And I mean, dude, I was in there for seven months. And I think he was there almost the whole time. And he's the one that told me, he's like, you need to work steps. Like, if you, if you really want to get sober, uh, work, try these steps, you know, like go through with all 12 of them and it'll change your life. Because he gave me his experience. That was the main thing. Like nobody else told me what the steps did for them. And he was like, just try it. It's going to change your life. And it sure did. Like, I mean, I've been sober ever since. So. Uh, so how, when was that? That was, uh, that was, let's see, well, my the last time I used was August 24, 2013, and that was Suboxone yeah. in jail. That's the day before my birthday. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah. Well, I that. But, uh, yeah, because, like, while I was in jail, like, I stayed sober in there for, like, seven months. I think it was seven months. Then I got to the rehab, and then people in there, like, work release, they had Suboxone and everything in there. <laughs> like, I, I took we took acid in there one night. And, uh, yeah, so, like, oh, I was like, well. I feel like that would not be fun. It, it wasn't. Like, Acid in jail, that sounds horrible. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we were laughing. I mean, my face was hurting the next day, but it's like it was, I was trying to keep my face straight because the deputies in there, like, you know, they can, they remember. They, they know what you look like normal and, and hot, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I did some Suboxone in there and did, like, a quarter, a quarter of a strip got me so fucked up for, like, oh, a whole sure. Game. And then I was washing cars at the car wash, uh, at an ambassador car wash. And I remember throwing up, like, projectile vomiting across the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> being, being so high, I was like, dude, that, like, this isn't even fun anymore, you know? Yeah. And so, like, the next week, I ended up telling my counselor because I was, I was afraid that I was going to fail a drug test, you know? So I yeah. told my counselor, and he was an opiate addict. And uh, he's like, all right, we're going to give you one more chance. We're not just going to kick you out. Uh, but, he, you know, they gave me some things to do, like maybe get a sponsor, maybe start working steps like ASAP. And then that's whenever uh, John talked to me about that. And then uh, I ended up getting out of there in like, I think it was October, like the first week of October in 2013. And then I went to uh, Oxford House, sober living. So. So and then so you stayed sober for a good while. But I remember you telling me about like the low point you got to yeah uh, like like two years ago i think it's been about two years uh i was about two and a half years sober and you know what's crazy is like i was on fire like those first the first year two years yeah, yeah and, i remember that yeah and it's like because i mean i had nothing you know i had nothing else to do like yeah, that's that's my life that was my life recovery you know what i'm saying and uh and it was a blessing uh but like Every time I made a year or something like that, I'd be on a spiritual high for like a week, and then it was like fucking straight roller coaster down, you know. Mm. And but I had a thing where like I was uh, I was always staying busy, like I never took time to like chill. And back then I didn't I didn't have meditation in my life. I didn't know how to calm down and breathe. And so I just put so much shit on my plate. And I was a yes guy, a yes man. You know, if people would ask me to go do something like for service work or something. It was hard for me to say no. And then I'd end up double booking and stressing myself out. Well, yeah, it was like it was probably February or March, like two years ago. I was living with my girlfriend and her daughter. And uh, I was in school, stressed out, like barely working steps with the guys, like barely meeting with my sponsor. And uh, it got to the point where like I was, I was to the point where I wanted to blow my fucking brains out. And I didn't even have a gun. You know what I mean? And it's like I never once thought about getting high, but it would have been real nice to just kill myself and yeah. not have to worry about this shit anymore. Even though like this was the biggest blessing I've ever had, you know? Yeah.
And so, uh, you want me to go on with what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, so like, like, uh, the whole time that I had been sober, like, I always had this like little voice in the back of my head or this inspiration, I guess, that would say like, man, you might not, you you might need to try some mushrooms again. And uh, I was like, well, you know, AA doesn't go for that. You know, that's nobody thinks that's right. And uh, so I talked to my sponsor and he was like, well, Toby, you know, the 12 steps got you this far. This should be enough. You know, the 12 steps should give you a spiritual experience and that should be enough. And I was like, well, so the point where I want to blow my fucking brains out. And I wasn't willing enough to take more action to like go do service work or go work steps with somebody or go to rehab or go to detox to to talk to somebody there and, and work steps, you know, pick up a newcomer. I just wasn't willing to take the action. I was burned out. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up uh, taking some mushrooms one night at home with my girlfriend. She ended up taking some and uh, she took a smaller dose and like I just had an eye opening, you know, it was kind of fearful. Yeah, it was, it was pretty scary, but it's like, it showed me like, open your fucking eyes. Like you should be grateful for where you are. You're, you're sober, mm-hmm. like people rely on you today. Like, uh, it showed me my character defects. Dude, it's, it's almost like God was just like, look, this is where you're lacking. These are all the things you're neglecting. And it's like, write them down and start making this shit right. It was almost like doing an inventory, like, within four hours and, like, trying to make all these things right. And so... That's super interesting. Yeah, dude, it was amazing. And it's like, I, I was kind of scared at first. I was like, this, I can't, I couldn't believe this. Uh, it's... A few more, like two more months went by where I still was kind of inactive. Like I wasn't really taking any action. But uh, I went on this Catholic Curcio, and that is like a, a retreat for uh, – it's a, it's a Catholic retreat. And I didn't want to go. Like I was done with the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And just some friends, some mutual friends, like some older guys, they were like, oh, I really think uh, this would benefit your life. Just go and try it out. And so, dude, I went – and I was kind of negative about it, but I was like, you know what? God's gotten me this far. I'm open to new opportunities, experiences. Let's just try it. Fuck it. Um, did it. And it was it was like meeting a bunch of other men who were struggling with different things like porn and cheating on their wives and like feeling like they weren't good enough. Like, you know, God doesn't love me because I'm a sinner and I'm stuck mm-hmm. on porn and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm the only one in there that's like cursing and talking shit with the priest. And like, <laughs> luckily, luckily the priest was like a little, you know, old country boy from south of Kaplan uh, in Abbeville out here. And uh, he was like, oh, talk about it. You know, talk about all that stuff. It's no big deal. Like he, um, he, we were talking something about lust or something. He's like, yeah, I bet you're, I bet all that lust you got built up inside of you could power a building. And he started, he started calling me a CIA, like the CIA building. Because <laughs> we were talking about all that shit. And so oh, it was funny, but I was like trying to tell these guys. I wasn't like preaching at him, but I was like, you know, you're suffering from all these things. Why don't you ask God to remove it instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm so be down. I'm such a sinner and I'm not worth it. You know, I hope God forgives me. And from what AA taught me, it was like, just bring your character defects, write them down, give them to God. Ask God to remove that every day. And maybe it'll be taken away from you. Just try it. You know, I was skeptical the first time uh, I worked the steps. And I mean, it changed my life. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway. After that, um, I did some DMT. Here's the thing. DMT taught me how to meditate. And I'm not advocating it to anybody. You know, it says for anybody that hears this, you know, figure it out if you want to do it on your own do your research. I'm not telling you to do it. But that showed me all in 15 minutes, like, 
you have a purpose here. It's like it showed me my purpose. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're here to serve others, whether they're normal people, addicts or alcoholics, uh, you know, handicapped people. Have compassion for people and just serve when they ask because I feel like anytime somebody's asking me to, for service or something like that, it's like it's God speaking like, hey, you're going to fucking do this or not. You know, you're going to get out of yourself, get out of that selfishness and your big ass ego and do for somebody else but yourself. So, uh, dude, it brought me back to AA. Like, it's crazy. And like, that's why I stay. Yeah, that's, that's when I remember you showing back up in our book study. Yeah. And like, and at DAA. Mm-hmm. So have you had any pushback from people in the program saying like, hey, you're not sober or blah, blah, blah? And Yeah, that's what I was going to say next, because I still say that I'm sober, uh, uh-huh. you know, almost four years and almost nine months on the 24th. Yeah. And so I still say I'm sober because God knows in my heart, you know, and I know right. what I've done and I'm not fucking banging needles anymore. You know, I got some nice scars to remind me and to show everybody like, you know, and I haven't drank. I don't do drugs like I still think I'm sober now. Other people in the program were like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't be talking all that. And I was kind of wrong because I was like telling a few people on the side, like, man, this might change your life. Like, cause I came across a few guys that were struggling getting sober, like working mm-hmm. steps, like with the fast way, like me, me and Jed know how with a group of yeah. guys around here. And yeah. uh, I was just kind of wrong because I recommended to some guys either take some mushrooms or LSD and, you know, have a spiritual experience and I shouldn't mm-hmm. have said something like that because then it got taken out of context. Well, Toby's over here saying, well, fuck working the steps. Just do some LSD. <laughs> You'll be safe. You'll be sober. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I was just kind of irresponsible about that. But um, mm. I talked to a few other people and they were like, well, you know, Bill Wilson did it. And I was like, what? So I bought yeah. the book. Yeah, he did. The book called Pass It On. And I read it and I was like, no fucking way. Now, this was in, in the 50s. And it wasn't demonized, and he wasn't doing it to get high. But he says it himself, like, you know, this can dissolve your ego, you know. Which I, which I would argue too that I mean that's you know that you're not doing it to get high, and that you know, I definitely would say listening to podcasts and doing podcasts, like my opinion on this would have been vastly different. Well, maybe not. I mean, I guess this, I kind of had these opinions anyway. I have the more people I talk to, you know, more than anything, uh, you know, whatever keeps you alive and connected to God, really, man, and useful. Um, I've met some mm-hmm. horrendously awful, awful, so quote, sober people, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. that are ineffective, that are bitter. That's not nice. Yeah, it's mainly, it really is you. Okay. You, you're awful. Like, just the worst um <laughs> now you know it, like and of course uh, immediately when i heard about it, i was like i wonder if i could do that and then you know a quick review of my motives no i can't like because i you know i can you know i think it, it all comes down to exactly that it all comes down to motives right like what are, right. are, are my motives in this to seek god or just to feel good because those yeah. are two totally different things yeah, um, i agree you know, and, like, and I don't. I'm not going to close the door on me never doing that. But at the, but I'm with you, Jed. At this point, right now, where I sit, if mushrooms came across my table, it would be like, oh, I want to have a good time. It wouldn't be about me trying to seek God and seek my purpose for sure. Right. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I sure. mean, do you notice like any? So like, what's your current? Because uh, I know you got into microdosing too. 
Yeah, so I st- I tried microdosing LSD a few times, and uh, it's just way too strong. It lasts too long, and uh, uh, that would actually make me feel weird around people, so I stopped doing that. Mm. And, uh, you know, I did all my research. Like, I, I read a lot of articles online and everything from it. Um, so I switched over to microdosing psilocybin mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I got into the whole thing. Like, I grind them up. I put them in capsules. And it's, to me, it's like a part of my vitamin regimen. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm going to take some mushrooms today and see some cool shit and see some pretty lights and, and laugh at people or whatever, you know. Uh, I actually mixed it with lion's mane mushroom powder. And lion's yeah. mane, you know, it's nice, like a little white puff ball. It's known to... Uh, cause neurogenesis in the brain and better brain function memory that's stuff. awesome so yeah. it's almost like i call it nature's adderall you know that's just my yeah. opinion and so that is like you know less than 20 milligrams between 15 and 20 milligrams you know of psilocybin mushrooms in a capsule and i take that maybe once or twice a week and uh yeah and that's an extremely like a uh for reference for people of a ther a therapeutic dose is like what like four to five grams as in the heroic doses of four to five grams like what ten uh, well for me that was what i would usually do uh, yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, what's, what's what's a threshold dose what's a normal dose my bad i mean like I a know. threshold dose is like a gram and a half two grams right so 15 it, like, milligrams yeah because like okay. you know, i'm sensitive to this stuff so like you know a gram and a half a gram and a half will give me a, a good trip for like four hours to where like i'm really like you know, calm, I'm praying, I'm praying for others, like, I'm looking at myself as in, like, I'm looking at my, my character defects and stuff, I got a notebook, I'm writing down all my, the things that I'm neglecting, you know, one and a half grams will put me over, and I'm like, fuck. Maybe I, I was doing way too many mushrooms, did I just find that out? <laughs> I can, I can, uh, I can relate to that, because look, whenever I first did it, like, when I was younger, I, like, I knew, to, the first drug I ever did was LSD, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It blew my fucking mind. I was like, how can the, the mind perceive anything like this? Like, so then I did mushrooms, you know, and this was before I and like we would go pick mushrooms in the back of Youngsville out here in the country. And mm-hmm. uh, we would eat, you know, five to seven caps while we're picking. And then we go home and make a big pot of Kool-Aid or whatever, drink it and trip balls all night and freak out. Like wanting to pull my brains out then like, out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Laying on the floor, praying to God, uh, at my grandma's house. Please, God, make it stop. I swear. Like, <laughs> right. I'm going to be like this forever. Uh, I'm yeah. going to be like this forever. And so yeah. now, you know, now 15, 16 years later, I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. So this stuff, you know, it's like they call it the minimum effective dose. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you just do enough. That way, you you know, you get the benefit from it and you're not freaking out, you know? Mm-hmm. So right. anyway, uh, so do yeah. you talk about if you're gonna do, like macro dose, not micro dose? Do you talk through that with your sponsor and like do you guys set set up step work or stuff you're gonna do during those experiences or how does that work? No, we've talked about it before and like uh, see, I talked to him about working steps and he's like, well, we're doing it in book study and you know you work steps with your guys at the same time, so like do the step work with them, do your own paperwork while they're doing it. Okay. And, you know, if I need any advice, I'm still going to go to my sponsor and go over it, you know. But I rarely do macro doses anymore. Like, okay. you know, like, it's just I don't have the time for it. You know, I have responsibilities now. Like, I take care of my grandpa. He has Parkinson's. And mm-hmm. uh, so, like, I have to 
I'm making smoothies at night. We put them to bed. We bring them to the bathroom. And gotcha. so, That's tough, plus, dude. and then I'm working on a house and, and my garden and everything. So, like, I want to be up early. So, so what, what you're saying is you're you're re- responsible? I have some responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. And so, I, I do super appreciate you being open about this. And once again, like, you know, nobody take this as, like, we are telling you to fucking go do mushrooms or whatever, but yeah. there's, I don't know, man, there's, there's um, certainly therapeutic I've, qualities to, there are, the um, it, it, never mind. Go ahead. No. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, just more, I, I'm becoming way more of, of the Bob Forrest way of just like, dude, just don't die. Like what? I, I don't know, man, yeah. whatever. Like not everything, you know, I think, you know, dogmatic anything is just mm-hmm. bad. You know, I've seen that in my life over and over and over. Um, and, you know, if you're connected to God, then, like, listen to God. I mean, bounce it off yeah. other people. And Well, and here's the difference, though, right? Is Toby, you weren't, like, 30 days sober, and you're like, hey, I don't feel like doing a third yeah. step, so I think I'm going to go do some mushrooms instead. Like, that's horseshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. So there, there's, there's, there's a line there, and there's some discernment that comes with that um, decision, right? And so so I agree. I totally agree. And, like, whatever's going to get people over that hump and keep them closer to God, fuck, do it, man. Yeah. Um, it, it. I mean, dude, it's what saved my life at the moment whenever my own ego – wasn't willing to do the same stuff that we were taught in AA, like, you know, right. do the, you know, go over your character defects, all of that stuff, make your amends mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. go to some fucking meetings and, and right. you know, speak if you have to. But that's what worked for me at the moment. And it saved my life. And, and like, I listened to my intuition, you know? Yeah. Like I'd always get these little, like people call them downloads or something like that. I call it inspiration. It's like God whispering in my ear, like, Hey motherfucker, you might right. want to try this or go help this person or, I'm with you. So, uh, that's what I'm grateful for. Uh, and yeah, dude, I will uh, say I, I, this. I, I say if you're gonna, if you have a decision to blow your brains out or take mushrooms, like Church and Other Drugs says, take the mushrooms, please. Yeah, I had <laughs> I had a great sponsor in South Carolina from from the Owl's Nest who, like, whenever people would call him and saying like, I want to kill myself, he'd be like, I mean, have you tried heroin? Like, try that first no yeah dude and like, at first i was like what and then i was like i mean fuck right you know i mean whatever gets you through the day literally be wow. like, i mean just you know have you tried heroin have you tried everything you know that's, yeah. that's a really that's the that's a last resort yeah um, for sure but no, I, I liked what you you also had said like so you found some success with vets you're helping out at the va no that's I missed. That's I missed. not it. Now I have talked to my doctor about it at the VA, and he was like, "You need to write a presentation." My, my getting here's the crazy thing is my doctor's from India, and you know, you know, two years ago after I did all that, that eye opening or whatever, I started meditating and stuff. So I meet my doctor, and I'm like, well, "Do you meditate? <laughs> Do you know all these <laughs> Indian gurus and stuff?" And he's like, "Well, no, my father did." He's like, but he's like, actually, I'm from Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like the best, but he's like super cool. Yeah, so I'm just joking. I love the best. But look, uh, I told him about everything that I do, and he was like, that is, that's amazing. Like, you're this is remarkable. He's like, you need to make a presentation, 
and present this to you know a community around here of vets and you know help someone around here mm-hmm. now what i what i have done is worked with some of my buddies that i went to iraq with you know okay yeah i did in that process and it's like i'm not i'm not their guide but it's like look this is what i did this is what helped me start small set your intention you know i i sat with one of my buddies one time and like he's totally opposite of me like he ate the same dose he didn't feel shit for like two hours and he ate more and more and then it finally hit him but he had that awakening you know that eye-opening moment and yeah. did his soul searching and it helped him a lot he ended up falling off a few months later but he wasn't working a 12-step program mm-hmm. you know right yeah and so um there's another guy in town you know who's struggling with painkillers and uh he makes a lot of money and he just never has it. And so like every once in a while he'll take some mushrooms, but he's still not trying to, he wanted to come to AA for a while, but he just, he never jumped in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I mean, God puts us where he puts us and he, you know, everybody's got a unique reach. That's for sure. Yeah. And look, I say this though, it's, it's about setting intention and the motives, uh, you know, before I ever take anything, microdose or whatever, you know, I set an intention because I do, I still hit my knees every morning, you know, and surrender. Uh, you know, I do that before I go to bed. But like, anytime I'm going to take a psychedelic, it's about setting intention. Like, what do I expect to gain from this? What do I want to learn? What is God supposed to I don't say what God's supposed to tell me, but like, God, what do you want me to learn about myself or my purpose on this planet and how I can serve? Dude, that's the craziest thing because it's like I did a drug, a, a drug, quote unquote. That everybody says is, you know, so bad and I shouldn't do it. But yet it showed me my fucking purpose. And, you know, it helped me to serve people more. It helps me to serve my family more, addicts and alcoholics. That's crazy shit. Because, look, man, um, a couple years ago I did a cooking. I helped my my cousin do a cooking class in town. And he made some bread pudding with rum sauce. And he said he cooked off all the rum, right? So as soon as I ate that stuff, I mean, five minutes later, I'm starting to get a buzz. Dude, I'm sweating. I didn't feel comfortable. It's the first time alcohol had ever been in my system, you know, mm-hmm. over two years. I would call it a slip because it's not like I was drinking, but, right. dude, I got a buzz and I got scared. Like, I went home, I called my sponsor, I called a few other people, and I, was, I went straight to bed because I didn't want to, like, try to enjoy Allergy. it. Yeah. 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 It's like, dude, it freaked me out. So, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Cool, man. That's awesome, man. Dude, well, I, yeah, I really thank you for, for coming on, and you've got a super unique story. Um, and, you you know, you help a lot of people, man. Um, you're, you're a good friend and uh, a fellow brother, man, so I just I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me, man, because I listen yeah. to you and your guests, and uh, I'm grateful for it. Like, a lot of people that you interviewed, like, I can relate to a lot of them. So thank you for putting this out there. And, oh, like... Wow. Oh, and oh, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get a boner. But uh, look, man, whenever Too I wear late. your shirt, <laughs> whenever I wear your shirt, like that, like out or wherever, like to the store or whatever, like people are like, what the fuck is that shirt? And like they, they're trying to read it and understand it. And then on the back it says church and other drugs. And they, I mean, they laugh like they love it. I'm like, dude, check it out. You know? So it's awesome. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, love yeah. that. So yeah, thank y'all for having me. Beside our bodies, so just to be thrown back again.
Alright, well, that was another good interview. Heck yeah, Jed. I I gotta say, Toby's life story, it was inspiring. So, I (laughs) made... Way to go on the opposite end of the spectrum, my friend. Uh, you're no such thing as a happy medium. So I made we restarted. This is the third time we're restarting it because each time he made it 32 seconds before making a massively inappropriate joke. So I restart and he goes to, "Heck yeah, I'm." You know, you're you're Jet. really blowing it here, dude. How much longer do we have to go before I, I don't say something inappropriate to ruin know. this? I don't know. How much time do we have? Are we almost done? No, you you need to make it like four minutes. <laughs> okay. The sofa has tan sheets. Are you looking at hooked on phonics? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do your homework while we're recording. Alright, listen, I know I know Sorry. reading is an issue. There was a, <laughs> so I don't know if you experienced this, but you know how like um I guess reading in in the parish in jail was like a status symbol, kind of, because there's this dude that, and I didn't realize how widespread like illiteracy was, which was really like, damn, I can't believe that. But this this one dude like uh, borrowed my book and would just open it to the same chapter every day, the same page every day, and just like sit in front of everyone. And just like look at, like hold the book up to his face, and then just be looking around. And I'd always be like, "Hey, are you almost done?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm almost done." And then like, it was the same dude. I realized when he was like, "Hey, what that book's about?" And I handed it to him to like read the back cover, and he looked at it and handed it back to me and goes, "So what's it about?" And I was like, "Oh." He's like, "No, read it to yeah, me. Yeah, like you read the book it. to me. Will you teach me to read?" Jed, why didn't you teach him to read, bro? I I, I don't think that would have gone over well. Jed, it's a status symbol. I don't think he wanted to admit that he didn't know how to read. To have a white man teach you to read is like the top of the pops, baby. I, I was doing all I could to not get the shit kicked out of me. How did that go? I, I made it. You know. You didn't. I didn't either. I, I was one. also. Yeah, I was. You never. Yeah. Yeah, you never got any fights? I One time. You would. Well, people obviously were after this luscious body. You they got were, a giant they were, butt. Well, they wanted it, Jed. It seemed like they really wanted it. I'm not sure if they were just messing with me, but it seemed like they. No, me too. I know. They, we, we've been they really wanted it. Yeah. Did they, do you think they wanted it for real? They did. I was told. Yeah. Like, I got in like a really, like, God delivered me out of a situation. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. One time? It was dude, bad. One, it was right when I first got in there. One time, Jed. Um, and that that's when you start lifting weights, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> when, dude. Because I got transferred to trustee and I immediately. Dude, I, I, I like, let me tell you this. I, I think trustee is basically like where they put all the, the people who are about to get ass raped. Mm, no, dude. Yeah, I don't know. That's what happened to me. I was like, they're about to rape me in here. I, I think, look. Were you in I, the dungeon too, the the old building? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's like, dude, ain't nobody on there. going to help, bro. Dude, there was, yeah, there's not even a guard around. And no. the thing is, dude, they weren't trying to rape me, Jed. They were trying to make love to me. Like it's they not wanted. Funny because I know, like I know that you're not even joking. <laughs> I'm but not. It, joking. It's like it's yeah, it's, dude. It's it, it's a 
very horrendous, awful place. What was the one? You did tell me that one story where, like, the dude, like, looked lovingly. What was it? He, like, held your hand or something? It was all right. Let me tell you. This is funny, but it's really – I honestly, I don't normally – I don't think I've ever told anyone this besides you, but I'll tell the car. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, geez, Louise, let me tell you. It's not a place you want to be. So – we're playing spades. I, I get on the line, and the guy, and I've already had some bad experiences. This I, 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 I've been there for like three months at this point. I get on this new line, and this guy comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, I'm the dorm rep. You know, don't worry. You know, you can, you can sleep like, you know, here. This is where you sleep in, whatever. You know, I'm just gonna help you out, or what? I'm gonna show you around." I was like, "Well, thanks, Mister." That's nice of you. Uh, so, so and, uh, yeah, that's the thought so, too. It's like, wow, what yeah. hospitality! Surely Honestly, there are no strings attached. It's not even that bad here. We we're gonna go, and he was like, "Let's go play spades." Do you like spades? I was like, "I love spades." He's like, "Well, you can be my partner." I was like, "Sweet, we're gonna be partners or whatever. No big deal." I mean, so then we're playing spades, and like, like you know, when you play spades, you have to look at your partner in order to like figure out what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, you got to do the eye movements. So I was looking at him, and he was, like, looking at me, like, and he had, like, his mouth open a little bit. And oh, he was just, no. like, right, right in my eyes, like, just, like, it was, like. Like, he was looking at you like you were a fried chicken dinner or, like, a, a piece of cheesecake? Right, like, he was super hungry, right? Yeah. And and so I looked back at him, and I didn't want to break eye contact because I didn't want him to think I was weak. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? So then, all right. So then, it, so then you I, ended up just staring yeah. into this guy's eyes. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was like, okay, this. I guess he he was looking at like like at me like he either wants to freak me or fight me. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, yeah. So then the, the game look is similar, right? So then the game was the game's over, and like we're talking later, and he's like, yeah, you and I know, right? And he like did the eye. He like pointed oh, to his eyes, no. his eyes, and, and pointed to my eyes. And he was like, he nodded. And I was like, No, I don't know. Are what are you talking? What happened? Yeah, are, did I miss something? Yeah. All right. No, and it gets worse. Okay. So then, then I was like, I gotta, I gotta go. He was like, Hey, man, don't you want to take a shower or something? No. I mean, you've been here for like three days. <laughs> oh no. It's like, yeah, man, you you should go shower. I was like. All right, you're right. I do need a shower. Was this in the Q building? It was well, the, let me new, just, the new. Let me just tell you what happened. So I go start taking a shower, right? And immediately, you soon, you, you did what he told you. <laughs> I was weak. No, I, get, I know. I get it. I get it. It's it, it's it's such a yes. It's a complex fucking psychological yeah, game. They, they they were breaking. I was already you know they're break they break you down you know. So anyways, so I was like. I don't know how this happened. It might not have been right <laughs> then. It might. It might. It might. <laughs> not funny. I'm sorry. It, I'm sorry. Keep, I'm sorry. Keep going. It so you're in the shower at well, this man's behest. Well, let me tell you. It's 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 weird. Okay. So so um. All right. Anyway. So we. I'm in the shower. Okay, and the showers, it's not like, you know, a secluded. It's like the showers are in the same room as the toilets, and the toilets are facing the showers. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if I'm standing under the shower and I turn with my back to the shower head, I'm looking directly at a guy shitting. Did y'all have so, curtains? No curtains. Oh, so damn. I, I 
turn around as soon as I get naked. No, all right, I wasn't naked yet, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm in there about ready to take my shower, and he walks in and he's got like toilet paper, and he goes and he sits down oh, on the fucking God. toilet right there, and I was like, well, shit, do I? go through with my shower is this really happening what's happening yeah is this a test is he yeah yeah, is he is this a coincidence what is he doing in here you know you start doubting did he eat something irritable does he have a messed up tummy (laughs) that couldn't wait anyways i start i I decide i'm gonna go through with the shower i'm halfway undressed and there's other people watching yeah so so it's like you can't be like i don't this man doesn't dictate my shower taking time right right so it's very even though he told me to do it yeah, even though he suggested the shower, right? He and so then it's like then he just sat there and looked at me, like I was a chicken dinner the whole time. Uh, I showered, right? Oh my god! So I took a quick shower, and then um, was he still there when you got out? Yeah, he he stayed there the whole time. It wasn't. It was so clear, like that I was like a show for him. It was it was weird, Ooh. bro. So then, uh, so then. We started dating, and uh, no. I'm just kidding. How did no, it end, though? It ended because he was like, you know, hey, why don't you, like, you want a bottom monk? Everyone wants a bottom monk. You can sleep below me. Yeah. You know? And I was like, no. No. You know, I, I don't want to sleep here. I'm good, dude. Leave me alone. I, I told him to leave me alone, and he, and then he did. Okay. <clears throat> so he was, he was, he was fishing. That's so, that, dude, it's such an awful, awful place. Tell me about that. Was like the worst three days of my life, dude. It yeah. lasted. I mean, like, so it wasn't. It was. It's a courting period. Yeah, it's like it was like he really wanted to like be my lover, dude. Yeah. And I and I, I, I shut him down. So. You heartbreaker, you. <laughs> this is so messed up. Jail is so. Don't it go. Is. Don't go. Do not go there. That's what, dude. If if I could, I wish. I mean, but nobody could tell me. That's what the the kids I deal with, I try to accurately explain how bad of a time they're going to have in jail and they just they just they just don't get it. Well, they're already, you know, you know, getting up. They're already maybe they'll like it in jail, Jed. The no. Types of kids out here you talking about. No, I don't know, man. They're not big enough. You want me to go? I wish I could talk to him. I'm thinking about letting my pat. Yes, I'm gonna see if the youth pastor will let me talk to the kids. You could. I mean, you could probably. Yeah. Come, you could probably come talk. Give your story. I'm sure. I was thinking I was gonna do it at my church too, but you I should. You know. Hmm. I said you should. That's because because kids are talking about smoking weed and th- there's some drug problems. You know, the kids they do these things, man, and they oh, think yeah. it's it's cool. I like to scare him straight. It'd be well, funny. But that doesn't work is the thing. I'm not going to scare work. him straight. I could just tell him, like, what yeah, happened. Just, yeah, but even still, it's such a weird thing. I don't know. There, I guess it. You, it's just cast, casting a wide net. Like, you never know what hit, what will land and what won't. I, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Me, but send uh, Brad a text message. Send us an email. Churchandthedrugsgmail.com. Uh, thank y'all for sending emails lately. I do appreciate it. Um, and tune in next week. Is John going to be back? I don't know. All right. Well, you might be stuck with me, guys. I'm a sub. <laughs> Go eat your pepper. <laughs> I can't wait.